I'm Allison Anthony, President and CEO of Tulsa Area United Way, and I'm really excited to be here today to talk to Stephen Wakefield and Larry Honnell of Aon. Aon's a Tulsa-based company that's a world leader in creating comfortable and healthy indoor environments efficiently through the manufacture of premier HVAC equipment. We have some at United Way, thank God, because anybody else's <laughs> may not may not work as well. So I would like to ask Stephen and Larry just off the bat to share their titles and a little bit about what each of you do at Aon. Larry Honnell, the Director of Manufacturing at Aon, and I am responsible for manufacturing all the equipment and the quality of the equipment. So I'm Stephen Wakefield. I'm the Chief Operating Officer here at Aon, and I'm basically responsible for the operations here in Tulsa. And of course, I have a great team of people here that make that happen and try not to get in their way. That's great. And I've learned a lot more about Aon since Larry serves on our board of directors at Tulsa United Way. And what I've learned is that in addition to being a leader as a manufacturer in our region, Aon is also a leader for community involvement, community impact, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And when you drive by here, you know, I drive by here almost every day and you think manufacturing, a lot of people don't necessarily think about this, the community impact and the diversity, equity, inclusion that you all are leaders on. And your leaders, not just in terms of having them written, hanging on a wall on a plaque, but you employ individuals from more than 32 countries, including many from the immigrant and refugee community, which I think is fascinating. And, and in our work with Aon, I've just been so impressed with what I would call that strong commitment to culture and a real focus on inclusive leadership in action. So in today's Live United podcast, we want to lift up some of the reasons for that work and why you think it's been integral to Aon's success. So Stephen, some companies talk about or aspire to a diverse workforce. Aon's employee population is truly one of the most diverse anywhere, and business is thriving. So give us a little bit of your historical insight into how you've grown into such a diverse workforce, how that came about, and why that diversity is part of your business success. Well, it's a really interesting question for a guy like me. You might be surprised with my answer, but I'm pretty convicted about it. I think the reason we've had a lot of success with that is that we didn't make diversity a goal. We made people a goal. And we looked for good people, great people, people that needed a second or a third chance to be part of our team. And we focused on their needs and focused on ways that we could use those kind of people. And basically by laying out a, a platform for people, any kind of people, you're a people, we want you on our team. If you want to be part of something good, you're a people, we want you to be here. And it happened naturally. I saw it happen. I've been with the company for 23 years. We've never cared about anything other than taking care of our people and providing an environment where they could have success. It has basically been a mutual back and forth developing culture over the last you know 30 years of the company's history. The other day, a, a lady asked me, or I shouldn't say asked me, came to me and said, I just love working here. It's so diverse. How did you do that? And I said, we did it by paying zero attention to it. <laughs> what we did is we just simply tried to create the best place to work that we could. And we put no limits on who or what you were. And it happened naturally. Wow. And it's been good for business. It's been exceptionally good for business. We, we have been able to add about 300 employees this year, while many, many manufacturing companies in the country have struggled to keep their headcount status quo. Most of those workers were added in, in Larry's department. And I can tell you that 10 months into this year, our headcount is just over 1,500 and 
in our workforce, and we started the year at about 1,100 and change. So this process, this focus on employee experience has really paid off in this environment. I love that. The focus on ex employee experience, it was never a focus on let's increase the diversity of our population. Right. It was let's be the best we can be. For everybody. For everybody and create a great employee experience and have an open door to talent and what that might bring in. And it's happened organically. Otherwise, if you're looking at what somebody looks like in order to make a statistic, you're kind of defeating the purpose, right? Mm -hmm. You're kind of picking somebody based on how they look. Instead, provide an environment for everyone to see what happens. Great. Well, Larry, I know I know because of the work we've done on our board and diversity council that you are a leader in continuous process improvement. I think that's even been historically even was in your title. It's a long title, mm -hmm. but you really focused on making things better and thinking about ways to improve processes and systems. So can you share some of the specific changes you've made or accommodations you've put in place? to help your employees feel respected and comfortable bringing their whole selves to work here. Because I think some companies don't go down this path or open the door as broadly as you all have because they think, oh, it's going to be too complicated. It's going to be too hard. It's going to require we make too many changes or do things differently. So talk just a little bit about some of the things you've actually done to make employees feel comfortable here. So I really think this boils down to attitude and culture. If you take continuous improvement as a mindset, you're making small incremental changes to make things better. So with that being said, it's really just paying attention to the people with their specific needs and doing our best to support them as individuals. This is everything from foot washing stations to uh, we purchased a 15 passenger van to help support people while they were coming fresh into the country as refugees to get back and forth from work to home until they got driver's licenses. Many, many things like that just little things that it's not, you know, when I, I think about that, I think it's nothing you said is huge. I mean, buying a van is great, but a lot of companies have vehicles. We've never thought of that as a deal breaker in corporate America. What about the HR and the paperwork? People feel like, oh my gosh, if we have an immigrant or a refugee, the paperwork just must be incredibly difficult. Have you found any of those challenges? No real struggles on the paperwork side other than you know, we're, we're direct pay into someone's bank account. So we actually had to take groups of people in our shuttle bus to the bank to get them, help them get checking accounts set up so right. we can pay them. But, you know, our, our HR managers originally, proactive. Yeah. originally not from this country either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so she's, she's very willing to help support people and, and get them through that process. I just love that, you know, things that some companies might feel like are just too out of the norm or too difficult. And they're just small things. Like we talk about continuous process improvement in business all the time, doing small things, making small changes. And everything you've said to me, taking employees in vans to get a bank account, well, that might not be the norm of some companies for you guys, I mean, if it means that you're going to have 15 employees who rode in the van that day to get bank account, that's 15 families. That's, that's 15 employees that value and know not because you say we respect you or not because we say we value you. It's because you're putting that in that inclusive leadership into action. So, you know, those 15 families go and tell 15 other families. 
Right. And then before you know it, this particular group of folks, we've got large ethnic groups today on, you know, hundreds of people from, you know, a similar background. Well, they know that the company is paying attention to their needs. So when they see another group have their needs taken care of, number one, it doesn't offend them. Number two, they appreciate what's happening there. And Larry and I were in our newly remodeled Tulsa Hurricane break room the other day, and it was interesting what was happening in there. There was a a few gentlemen that were doing a particular kind of prayer in an area, and then there was some uh, other gentlemen having lunch that were sitting close by from another totally different part of the world. And it was fun to watch a, a all these different things happening that were very important to particular cultures with almost no notice from the other ones. I mean, in other words, nobody was looking, going, what is that person doing? They got done with their thing. They came and sat down close by and everybody's having lunch in the same room. And it's just smooth and peaceful because it's a common theme in the company to do it. It's not even something we talk about. It's just, it's like one of those things where actions speak louder than words. Absolutely. Another thing, when I think about the business impact of this culture, the business impact of focusing on the employee experience, another thing I've noticed that while the pandemic was going on, a lot of companies were really struggling and they really struggled with culture. They really struggled with productivity. There was a lot of a lot of articles, you know, written and and people talking about how difficult it's been to to retain employees and and employees having an awakening about their their lives and livelihood and how they want to spend their time. But at the same time, I noticed Aon seemed to get even stronger, and you guys were breaking records and setting records. And so, what do you attribute that business success to? in difficult times. Why why do you think Aon was able to thrive during the pandemic? What are some of the factors? Well, it starts with this simple thing, and this is a very difficult thing, but it's still simple. We as a leadership team here at Aon decided when, when this pandemic hit that we were going to take it very serious, but we were not going to cower to it. And I can tell you that that wasn't particularly popular at the time. We didn't over-mandate rules. We did not shut down. We stayed in business. We took every precaution that we could think of and that we were recommended to take. But senior leadership team understood in the moment, that very difficult moment, that if you shut down, that your employees were not going to go home and sit in a corner that was completely isolated from the world. They were still going to have to live. And rather than them living and being around other people at home while we put the business and their jobs in great jeopardy. Instead, we'll try to control it the best that we can here, take it serious, but continue to operate. And it upset some people. It thrilled some people and everything in between. But after a short period of time, our employees, I, I don't want to say adjusted to the pandemic, but are you, are you talking about it right now? I mean, you don't hear about it right now. It's still out there. They, they got over the scare factor, the fear factor. We did not make a decision out of fear at the end of the day. And our, our employees adjusted to that and appreciated that very quickly. So then people started to come here because they wanted to be part of that. The rest is history. We're also an essential manufacturer. So through this whole deal, I want to say we built over 120 different jobs, not 120 different units, 120 custom-built jobs for COVID relief. Anything right. from the temporary hospitals in New York to research labs and uh, even the place where they manufacture the tests for COVID. So you're essential. You were keeping hospitals safer because of your work. 
Absolutely. And, and something great that came from that was explaining that to people of why we're doing what we're doing, why we're not going home, and how we're helping the world get through this pandemic. That probably gave a lot of pride, made your employees feel really good about coming to work every day, you know, because they realized they were, they were making the world safer. It hit our local news wires and they started coming here and interviewing us. Several of us were on the news and, you know, we were getting texts from people all over the place. I saw you on the news. And we were basically telling the story that the one that Larry just eloquently described. Tell them what, tell them what you and your team did for the New York City hospitals. We took a production line that generally builds six to eight units a day. We built north of 18 units a day, built 80 dedicated purpose custom units for the temporary hospitals. And yeah, so. 4,000 tons of capacity of air conditioning. Was there any celebration or anything that, how did, how did you, you know, that's, that's an incredible feat. That's incredible manufacturing feat. And at a time that was, you know, so many, there were so many unknowns, so much confusion, and you were able to mobilize and meet that need. How did you celebrate, you know, as, as Aon, as your employees? So there's a lot of conversations around this and what do we do? And with most of the world being shut down at the time, the best we could actually do was we fed the entire shop pizza. We did that <laughs> twice, once for each shift and, and even night shift because that, that particular manufacturing line ran 24 hours a day through that deal. Kind of goes back to it's the little things. It's, it's the little acknowledging things. Acknowledging people. Yeah. T-shirts and pizza. <laughs> That's great. That, that event absolutely galvanized the whole concept of what we, you know, did. And we decided we're going to, don't mean to say this the wrong way, but we're going to take advantage of this good that can come from this. Mm -hmm. And we're going to play on that as a company, as a team, as people that care about each other. And boy, did it ever take off. I mean, it just hit like a wildfire. It's, you go through something like that together as a team. Yeah. You know, you're making a difference in the country, in the world, and your families, your employees here are able to still have jobs and work. It, it really had to strengthen your culture and the loyalty of your employees. And like you said, they go out and talk to other employees in their communities and it's just continued to grow. So that's it. You know, I'm struck. You both are so deeply embedded in the world of safety you know, Larry, that's been a huge part of your career, I know, in continuous process improvement. You're always looking in your operations, always looking for ways to, to make people safe so they're not injured on the job or so that your equipment is safe. And I'm, I'm hearing you all talk and thinking about the way you've made this culture safe, you know, that people are able to bring their whole selves to work here and feel accepted and valued. Have you all ever talked about that as a leadership team about the safety culture kind of bleeding over into, no pun intended with the word blood there, but you know, kind of the safety culture and the physical manufacturing aspects, but also how you're creating a culture of safety and inclusion where people feel valued here. Psychological safety. Right. Uh, that, I mean, that's really a big thing. And you know, it, it goes back to the core of this whole thing is doing something for the right reasons. I want to feel good when I come to work. And that's the whole thing is we try to get everyone to feel safe and comfortable and make a difference if they want to. 
Don't be afraid to, to stand up and say something. You've worked at other places. You, everyone's got their own different experience, their own background, and they can all bring something to the table when it comes to making a difference on that. Well, since this is audio, people can't see you all. You're, I don't know. I feel very short here. <laughs> I'm 5'4". <laughs> you all each look about a foot taller than I am, That's I think. Right. Is that about right? That's yeah. About right. So Larry is on our Diversity and Inclusion Council. You're you're tall white men and powerful work in have worked in this field a long time. And I think some people would be surprised at your commitment to the point that Larry, you serve on the Diversity Inclusion Council, the Tulsa Area United Way, in addition to serving on our board. And that might surprise people that you would give of your discretionary time because you come back here and you have still work to do in a full-time job, whether you're serving on a board or a council. So can you share what has drawn you to the work of diversity, equity, inclusion, and why you commit your time to a focus of creating an inclusive culture, whether it's in the workplace or in the community around you and the board of directors at United Way? Why does this work matter to you and why do you give of your time on that front? Allison, that's a pretty difficult question to answer. At the end of the day, I'm going to say it's because it's the right thing to do. As long as you're a person, you deserve to be treated like a person. I think that's a pretty great answer. I think it's a great answer. So why, the, why, in addition to the culture of inclusion and diversity in such a real way that you've created here at Aon, you're also really committed to community engagement. You know, I'm, I run into your team out in the community. I run into to folks everywhere involved on boards and volunteering, day of caring, so many different things in the community, like the United Way campaign that we're running right now. You know, you guys roll up your sleeves, not only on the manufacturing floor, doing doing the work of HVAC and everything else, but you roll up your sleeve to help the nonprofit community as well and to help those in need. So why do you, why do you think that's an important part of your culture? Why do you all do that? Just taking a deep breath. <laughs> well, ju just like everything else here that we go through, we, we set up this, this culture, this attitude, and people enjoy that. When you've got that diverse workforce out there on the shop floor, you've got all these different groups of people working. There's, there's no siloed groups whatsoever throughout all of manufacturing or all of Aon. People enjoy that. They want to go out and do the same thing in the community. They want to help other people. It's it's something I think kind of back to Stephen's point, it's just happened naturally. It, it used to be a big thing where, you know, hey, you should do this. You know, it's not you should do this. If you want to do this, go do this. We don't take anybody's PTO. We don't penalize people for going out to these events, helping, donating their time. And it's it's been wonderful. It's probably another part of your strong labor retention and recruitment efforts that, you know, when I think about how I came to know Aon first, it wasn't through the manufacturing side of the business. It was because I got to know people serving on nonprofit boards or being active in communities or volunteering. And, and you're out there and you're visible and you're present. And you're a huge asset to us at United Way, helping us raise money. We believe that we all need help sometimes. And we've got you know 59 nonprofits working to make the community stronger. And you guys are deeply involved in those efforts. We so appreciate it. We've got a lot of employees that have gone through different programs, support programs, have been touched by a lot of these nonprofits, a lot of them that the United Way supports as well. And 
you know, these, these are people in, in every facet of business here. So when you've got someone that, that has the opportunity to get a fresh start and, and grow themselves and grow in the community and grow into leadership roles here, they all want to pay back. They all want to give something back and really giving people, allowing them to take the time to go do those things is, is hugely beneficial. I was at a charity event the other day where someone's trying to raise money. It was for Wings of Freedom. That was one of the best events I've ever been to. And I've got some wonderful employees. I've got two absolutely top-notch supervisors that came through that group. Anything I can do to support those people, I'm 100% in. Steven, you know, you're, you've got a big job here. COO of a, of a company like this is no small feat. So as leaders are listening to you and think, oh, I'm too busy, <laughs> we don't have time to, to focus on these things, you know, what would you say for leaders that do want to build a stronger, more inclusive, diverse culture of focusing on that ex- employee experience in their own workplaces, what would you say are some of the critical success factors based on Aon's journey? What, have you th- what do you think are the things that really make the difference? First of all, if you're in a position like mine and you're too busy to do something like this, you're not doing it right. <laughs> Sorry if I offended somebody. Can't operate that way. You have to you have to have a team and a system that allows you to do forward thinking. You got to spend a good portion of your time doing that. Number 2, you have to simply pay attention to what people need. Pay attention to what people need. A lot of people won't tell you what they need. They don't want to be chastised. They don't want to come across as weak. They just want to go with the flow and not be noticed sometimes. Some people would rather suffer a little bit than say anything. Some people won't tolerate any suffering. They'll leave immediately. An hour ago, one of our directors and I called our CEO to tell him that the two of us have trouble getting on airplanes and that there's some other people in the company. And we just want him to understand that that's a challenge for us. And he responded with, the best answer you could have ever asked for, you know, that's the kind of environment you have to have when your highest level leaders are okay, having a weakness and representing that way and finding a way to get it done anyway. Don't ever, ever, ever make decisions out of fear. Your people will see you do that. They'll know. And that is going to always be the wrong direction. If fear is dominating the, the reasoning, then it's the wrong reason. You have to have a positive attitude in the middle of the challenge. There's always a way. You have to know how to stay calm and find a way. There's always a way. I've seen this company survive onslaught after onslaught. One year, an ice storm, a snowstorm crashed the entire roof of the building in our West factory. We found a way to keep working. It was literally minus 30 degrees in our shop. It peeled the paint off of the structure. It was so cold out there. I had to wear three down coats just to walk out there and figure out what was going on. But we found a way. We found a way to patch that roof and stay in business. A lot of companies would have said, oh, we don't have a roof. We can't build anything. It's that mindset. It's it's not not making things too complicated, you know, (laughs) at the end of the day. People need things. Everybody needs something different. We all have particular gifts, particular skill sets, but I can assure you we all have needs. And if you're the the leader and you teach your leaders how to identify these needs and take care of them, people will want to follow you. They'll want to work with you. They'll want to move up the ladder. They'll want to come in here and be part of something. If you don't care about what they need, you're not paying attention to it, they know that. I think about those things you said. This is a, a real culture of grit. 
and resilience, yeah. just a lot of grit. That's and right. and when I think about that grit, I think about something you you know when we go back to the refugees and immigrant families that you've employed here, many of them have been through some terrible times. Mm -hmm. And just the fact that they've made it to be able to be at your door and show up for work, some of them have been through a lot. And yes. so they're very strong people, but at the same time, they may have come from cultures where, or situations where it wasn't safe for them to speak up or raise issues. How do you convey and communicate that we want to hear when you need something and you, you you talk about paying attention. So you're paying attention and you're watching and your leaders are watching. Do you otherwise actively communicate? We want to hear if you need something or how's, well, how I mean, it's a, it's that? a, it's an action. It's a mm -hmm. representing that way yourself. It's when you have a weakness being open about it. You know, when you get a C title, you might start thinking you're something special. <laughs> you start acting that way every day. Like I'm special. Me, me, me. I, I, they'll all feel that. And instead what you do is you show them you're just the same. Because you are. Then all the levels, do it filters down, all the levels do that. And you just simply create an environment where it's just obvious. You know, saying it on a billboard or something like that doesn't go a long way. But when the great, mighty Larry Hunnell, 6'4", 275 pounds of muscle, shows a weakness and it's okay, and we, we help him with that, they all notice that and they all see that. That's great. Being human yourself and letting them see you're human and then accepting their humanity. It's wonderful. Well, I, I would just ask if there's some employees, we can change their names, but something that's moved you, you know, something that you've seen that you can look up as an example to help our listeners understand how this has had such a life changing impact on employees who have the opportunity to work here and what you sell, it's what you celebrate every day. And you see these employees and know these employees personally, but are there a couple stories you can share with us? There's probably more than a couple. There's you, a lot. You want to start? Too many to count. One, one in particular I have. So when we were bringing these Afghan refugees in, I worked closely with HR on this and I wanted to make it a point to bring in the leadership team. So I was in our plant manager, Todd was in there and we'd bring in their uh, production leaders, their immediate supervisor that's running a production line. And one of those guys happened to be Burmese. And it, it was just earth shattering to me to hear this guy's story because he stands up in front of this entire group that he doesn't know, looks them all in the eye and says, we're the same. I came into this country as a, as a refugee, you know, eight, nine years ago. I met my wife here. She's also a Burmese immigrant that came in as a refugee. I've got this education. I've got this many children, you know. Not just this country, but Aon has changed my life. He's worked his way up from an entry-level manufacturing through QTL, production leader, and now he works in the quality assurance group as a technical trainer doing onboardings and doing the higher-level trainings for people. Just a wonderful individual willing to share his story with, with others and make them comfortable when they're coming in. That's great. And I think about his family, his, you know, his children's family, it, it's the trajectory, it's the future trajectory of all that. It's just so impactful. How about you, Stephen? Since my background is engineering, I'm going to use one of our engineers as an example. This young man kind of escaped Venezuela. I, I can say that because that's legitimately what happened. Um, came here to university and had a situation where the company had to sponsor him to bring him on. Aon did that because he was an extremely good candidate. 
that young man is now basically the apprentice to our most senior engineer and was described to me by our most senior engineer the other day as somebody that's smarter than him. <laughs> and that's just an exceptional thing to to have an employee that would have been easily bypassed due to the little extra effort that was required to bring him on, to have somebody that is such a brilliant mind that has already made such an impact on our company with the, the science and technology of our products in a short period of time, I think it's a pretty amazing story. We could probably do a weekly podcast on the employee stories at Aon. It's pretty cool. I, I could tell you employee stories all day long. A lot of them are not immigrants. We have we have an employee, one of my very favorite stories of all time that started here many years ago. No confidence. Came from a very good household. I think his father was a doctor. And for whatever reason, he struggled a little bit with confidence. And he started at the bottom here you know, entry-level position, I should say, worked his way with great fervor and energy and passion to do the do it the right way. And he came to my office years and years ago. I was in charge of some portion of engineering back then and pleaded with me to give him a chance in the engineering department. He had zero qualification to do so other than his great interest to do so. He did it three or four times. I decided on the third or fourth time, this guy is going to give me everything he's got, and I'll, I'll teach him how to do this, and we'll see what happens. It's about, I don't know, 15 years later now. That gentleman has designed thousands of parts for our products and continues to be a, a fan favorite in our shop because he cares about those folks out there so much. And he, he gives them everything he's got with everything he does. And sometimes we have to tell him to relax. It's okay. He's just so invested in doing it the right way and so appreciative of being given that opportunity. It's just a great success story. This, this, this fellow and I have a lot of history, and I just love him to death. He was in my office years ago. I was kind of describing to him how our 401k program works, and he's looking at me kind of with a blank stare, and there's a few people in the office, and they started to leave, and he stayed behind and shut the door. He said, I got to admit to you, I've never signed into my 401k account. I don't know how. I said, we're going to fix that right now. We got him a password and got him signed in. He opened his account. And he had six figures in his retirement account, had no idea. He just sat there, you know, with his jaw on the ground. Aon has an excellent 401k program, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> also part of a, uh, a of a workplace of choice, right. you know, to have those kind of offerings. That's great. That's a great story. Well, again, it's the little things. It's a leader sitting down and showing you how to get into your 401k. And thank goodness it was an automatic enrollment probably yeah. for him. Yeah. <laughs> You both have gotten really familiar with the Tulsa Area United Way and our 59 partner nonprofits, our 140 plus programs we fund. Can you think of or share information about something that, that you've seen working with our partner agencies that has helped your employees or that you've been able to, to witness here about the way the United Way and our partners give back to help Aon and your employees be stronger? Because I think sometimes people think, oh, you know, a nonprofit or a partner, that's, they just help other people. They don't help me or my employees. They help maybe, you know, just the other, but really we all need help sometime. Have you seen that help play out here? You know, a lot of people in the past here at Aon didn't have a great understanding of the United Way's purpose in all this. And I would say that in the last maybe even 18 months, that has really changed. And there's a lot of thoughts in the past about, you know, the, the cost of the organization of the United Way and how that removes some of the money that goes and they'd rather just give directly. The, the company is so involved with so many different organizations that I would just say 
simply put it this way. If Aon is promoting United Way like we have, even one of our board members, I think she was kind of the the chair last year or something. Mm -hmm. That means that you are having a legitimate impact on our city, on the world, on our employees here. And it takes the guesswork out for somebody that wants to give direct. So having you as kind of a third party litmus test for all of these organizations, I think is a very valuable thing. And, and I would just add that our company really has the mindset that we have been very blessed. Tulsa has been very good to us. And because we've been given a lot, we should give a lot. And, and that's how this, that's how the world works, folks. You know, you reap what you sow at the end of the day. So being involved with the United Way allows us the, to do that very effectively and simply. And they'll also represent very well to your employees so that, you know, I think one of the most powerful things that happened here was two years ago at the at the kickoff, there was a number of folks that came in. And, and the way that people came in that were absolutely personally affected by what the United Way and others had done was right there in front of our employees' face. And it was just hardcore evidence. I remember it shook me a little bit to see, and I've seen a lot. That's kind of the way that I look at it. Right. You know, I'm thinking about many of your employees who, I mean, you've got employees from what, 32 countries and charitable giving and philanthropy looks different yes. all across the world. So in a sense, it's it's creating an opportunity and showing them how they can, one way they can give back, whether through volunteerism yeah. or their their donation, and they do want to give back. Larry, what do you, what do you see? Well, to build off of Stephen's point, I didn't know that much about the United Way uh, before I talked to you for the mm -hmm. first time. But after our initial conversation and then joining the board, it's a it's a wonderful group. It's a very well run organization. It's run very much like a business, and I can get behind that a hundred percent. To you know, like Stephen said, the the due diligence that's done by the United Way for the fund delivery is is incredible. If it wasn't done that well, I wouldn't be. So proud to be a part of it. But I want to bring up the Women in Recovery. That's another wonderful group that we've had several employees come through. And the YWCA, with all the translation efforts that they've done for us. In fact, we had a meeting here the other day where the YWCA was reaching out saying, hey, after this last group of people, you've got almost 100 of these Afghan refugees. What can we do to help you? How can we streamline this process to make it easier for you to hire more of these people? So that's just been wonderful working with them. Proactive. Too. Yeah. Very proactive group. Pretty great. You guys are pros. I, the last the last question we ask all our podcast guests is to please share with, with our audience that are going to be listening to this for a long time to come. Why each of you live united. What does that mean to you? Do the right thing and do it because it is the right thing. If you're giving and you're doing it with the right attitude and you're not doing it just to try to make yourself look good as a person or a company you're doing it for the right reasons that it behooves you to do so and the organization or person that you're helping it's a, a two-way win every time when you do it for the right reasons well larry and Stephen, personally i just want to say thank you both for living united you're a great example and role models to all of us we really appreciate it and we appreciate aon as well thank you Thank, Thank you. you.